Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. In 1 Samuel 13 and the 14th verse, we read that David was a man chosen of God because he was a man after God's own heart. David is called Israel's sweet psalmist, the sweet singer of Israel. And at the end of David's life, in 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter in the second verse, David shares these as his final words. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. His word was in my mouth. David is able to recognize that God's special favor was upon him during the time of his life and service. Yet as we open our Bibles to 1 Samuel 27, we discover that David was a man who strapped on sandals on feet of clay. David's feet were just like yours and mine. He had challenges along the pathway, and sometimes his faith faltered. He had spiritual highs, and he had unfortunate spiritual lows. And along the way, God uses the life of David to teach all of us many wonderful lessons. I wish that I could say this evening that David was always victorious, but the Spirit of God reminds us that David lost some battles as well. And as we open our Bibles this evening to 1 Samuel 27, we see David losing a battle against the giant of faltering faith. David spent 16 months living with the enemy, living among the Philistines. 16 months in the valley of disobedience. 16 months without the joy of knowing up he was laying for himself treasure in heaven where moth and rust could not corrupt and thieves could not break through and steal. We read in 1 Samuel 27 and verse 2 that David was a man, verse 7 rather, who lived among the Philistines for a full year and four months. I believe that the Spirit of God has put this passage in God's Word to challenge each of us, that the life of David would be a, a life of warning to you and to me. But those who think they stand better take heed lest they fall. After all, all of us have known those who have gone astray from the professions of their faith. They have wasted moments of their life living in disobedience. And there are great debates that come up from time to time. Do people fall away from the faith unto perdition? In other words, do they lose their salvation? Or do they fall away because they were never truly saved? Or do they fall away and lose that time and find the chastening of the Lord bringing them back? These are worthy questions. They're not going to be resolved for anyone this evening. Instead, this evening, we're going to look very practically at the trajectory of David's faith and learn some of the causes for faltering faith. Some of the causes for faltering faith. Years ago, Linda and I were talking to a young lady about a tragedy that she was facing in her life. And as we spoke to her about the tragedy in her life, we gave her an assignment. Would you graph your life and show the highs and lows along the way? She graphed her life and she said a high was going to kindergarten and another high was the special blessing of being saved. And then around the time of junior high, she put as her absolute low, met and she named a friend that had brought into her life tremendous influence and tremendous sorrow. Every person needs to beware, for the Word of God tells us that we're about a step away from destruction. 
We all need to beware lest we think we stand to discover that we're falling. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, be not deceived. Evil communications can corrupt good manners. Who you hang with is often who you will become. That challenge has special relevance to teens and to young people and to their parents. As we open to 1 Samuel 27, we find David falling in with an assembly that you would not expect David to be hanging with, if you will. His friends have changed, and the details of the circumstances of his life and the choices that he made are given to us in this passage for our admonition. So we begin by looking at the circumstances that caused David to stumble. And I would suggest to you first that David was enduring prolonged battles. His battles were not brief. They were long, and they were severe. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day at the hand of Saul. From the time of David's anointing to the time of David's coronation, ten years have gone by. Ten years with David waiting along the way for that throne that had been promised to him. He's been anointed king. He knows what his destiny is going to be, and yet he's waiting. He was anointed about the age of 18. At about the age of 18, he's also involved in the slaying of Goliath. But he's not going to be king of Judah until he's about 30 years of age. And by the time we arrive in 1 Samuel 27, we know that Saul has thrown three javelins at David. We know that David has been in the camp of the Philistines twice. We know that David has been attacked in his home when he should have been sleeping. When the enemies of David, Saul's soldiers, had surrounded the house. We know in this passage that David has been enduring a prolonged difficulty waiting for that expectation that had been given to him when he had been anointed. Say the Bible reminds us in Proverbs 13 and verse 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Waiting for something to happen that never seems to happen. They say that chronic stress can impact us in many ways. When chronic stress comes upon us, we face anxieties and insomnia and muscle pains, high blood pressure, weakened immune systems. There are stresses along the way when we patiently endure that can often find God's people weary and well-doing and falling away. Noah, for 120 years, was a preacher of righteousness. And after landing safely at the end of the flood, the Word of God reminds us that Noah found himself drinking and in sin. The Bible reminds us that Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three years. And then the Bible tells us that Elijah was threatened by a wicked queen Jezebel and Elijah found his spirit gone from him. I have a question to ask this evening. Are you enduring a prolonged trial? It may be a physical trial. It may be a trial at work. It may be a trial in your relationships or at home. We find that faith often falters when prolonged trials set upon us. David, also in this passage, was enjoying something that I trust that you are enjoying. David was enjoying spiritual mountaintops. Let me remind you that in chapter 26, when David had the opportunity to take the life of Saul, David was led of the Spirit of God to say, I'm not going to be involved in touching God's anointed. David had seen many mountaintops during this, these 10 years of waiting for the coronation that would one day come. He's seen the mountaintop of seeing Goliath destroyed. He's known the mountaintop of a special friendship with Jonathan. 
He's known the mountaintop of destroying many Philistines along the way and being promoted in Saul's army. He's known the mountaintop of a marriage. He's known the mountaintop of not destroying Nabal, but rather listening to Abigail's counsel. He'd known spiritual mountaintops, but we need to be warned. Times of spiritual elation can often be followed by times of spiritual opposition and even times of spiritual depression. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16 that when Jesus asked the disciples, Whom say ye that I am? Peter responded, Thou art the Christ. And Jesus said to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Spiritual mountaintop. But you recall that then Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he must needs go to Jerusalem, where he'll be rejected and where he'll be crucified. And Peter very boldly says, Not so, Lord. From the mountaintop of confession to the valley of standing in the way of the perfect will of God for the Savior, Jesus turns to Peter and in that same chapter says, Get thee behind me, Satan. I remember when I was a youth pastor going to a summer camp with a young man who came from a pretty difficult background. We had the privilege of working with young people from varied backgrounds, and this young man had been in a home that had been terribly fractured. He'd gone through some great challenges. I still remember the evening that he came forward in a service and gave his life to the Lord. It was a time of rejoicing. It was either Monday or Tuesday in the week. By the end of the week, something dreadful had happened. He had broken certain camp rules that caused the camp director to say he could no longer be with the general population in the cabin. And I wondered then what had happened Well, that young man had found something that all of us need to be warned about. Times of spiritual mountaintop can often be followed by times of dreadful valleys. If you're on a mountaintop right now, if blessings have come your way, you better beware lest you fall. David was maintaining enormous responsibilities in this passage. I read in verse 2 that David arose and he passed over with 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men and every man with his household. 600 men plus wives plus children, all being watched over by David, who at that time was ministering to their needs in a foreign place. What a tremendous responsibility he had. And no doubt, as we come to chapter 27, David was forgetting some of God's many blessings. For he said in his heart, I shall now perish one day at the hand of Saul. Wait a minute, David. How often has God so providentially and carefully protected you from the hand of Saul? How often has God promoted you even when Saul would tear you apart? David seems to be forgetting some of God's blessings along the way. And so he finds himself vulnerable. David was restoring himself to past tendencies or resorting to past tendencies. He's going down to Gath. Take your Bibles for just a moment and come back with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. I want you to notice something with me. This is not the first time that David has gone to Gath. In 1 Samuel 21 and verse 10, David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? 
And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. He changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And now we come over to chapter 27 of 1 Samuel and we see that David's going back. He's going back to the place where he once played the madman. Going through a challenging time, he's falling prey to paths that he's been on before. Listen carefully. There are those in this room who have experimented with things in times past that they're ashamed of. They've looked for strength, whether it be in a bottle or a pill. And when challenging times come, they may find themselves tempted to go back to Gath. When a person has a heart ablation, it's because the heart is not functioning in right rhythm. The theory behind a heart ablation is to fry, (laughs) this doesn't sound very medical, but to fry some of the electrodes or the electric workings in the heart so that when those firings happen, new pathways are developed. The Christian life ought to be a new pathway life. The reality is for some that when hard times come and challenges are faced, temptations arise from prior decisions and prior habits that can cause a person to say, I'll find my comfort in that place. Years ago, I conducted a very sad funeral for a young father of three boys. During the time of his incarceration for his alcohol and drug abuse, he had come to Christ as Savior. He'd been released from his incarceration and was walking with the Lord, and then hard times came. And during the hard times, he found himself back on some former paths, and the former paths led him to destruction. I look at the life of David in this passage this evening as he fights the giant of faltering faith, and I discover that he's faltering along the way and going back to Gath, back into the town of the Philistines. He's going to spend 16 months in the place where God never appointed him to be. Be careful. When stress is prolonged and compounded by spiritual mountaintops that are remembered without rejoicing, and we maintain those responsibilities of life in our own strength, forgetting God's blessings, then we need to be warned. And we discover in this passage some choices that David made, choices that led him to stumble. David became ever so selfish. He was self-centered when he said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. David is a selfish, pragmatic man at this point. He resorted to pragmatism. Instead of waiting upon the Lord and being of good courage, he was weary in his well-doing, and he discovered his own pathway to escape. He succumbed to his own personal pessimism. In his pessimism, he failed to pray. Look at verse 2. David arose, and he passed over with 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. There's something missing there, something very important. Trace back with me to chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 23, and let's see the difference between David's movements in 1 Samuel 23 and 1 Samuel 27. 
In chapter 23, beginning in verse 2, therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. Verse 9 of the same chapter, David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? What's David doing in chapter 23? He's praying. He's asking God for guidance. What's he missing in 1 Samuel 27? He's missing that prayer for guidance. He's going his own way without consulting with God. And he's no longer consulting with spiritual counsel. In chapter 23, he's talking to Abiathar the priest about bringing the ephod and inquiring of God. David can no longer talk to Jonathan. Samuel is now gone. He's not asking Abiathar for any spiritual counsel. There's no record of any discussion with Abigail who'd been so helpful to him before when he about made a terrible mistake. He is seeking no spiritual counsel except the counsel of the world. He receives in this passage worldly counsel. For David said unto Achish in verse 5, If I've now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? And Achish gave him Ziklag that day, wherefore Ziklag pertained unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And at that time David dwelt in the country of the Philistines for a full year and four months. Imagine David who destroyed the Philistine giant Goliath, now taking counsel with a Philistine king and living outside the borders of Gath in a place called Ziklag. And so it is with many Christians along the way. When challenging times come and faith falters, they tend to find their counsel from the things of the world. Spurgeon said it this way, the course of rebellion against God may be very gradual but it increases in rapidity as you progress in it. If you begin to run down the hill, the ever-increasing impetus will send you down faster and faster to destruction. You Christians ought to watch against the beginning of worldly conformity. I do believe that the growth of worldliness is like strife, which is the letting out of water. Once you begin, there's no knowing where you'll stop. I sometimes get this question, said Spurgeon, concerning certainly worldly amusements. May I do so and so? I'm very sorry whenever anyone asks me that question because it shows that there's something wrong or it would not be raised at all. If a person's conscience lets him say, well, I can go to A, he will soon go to B, C, D, and E. And through all the letters of the alphabet, when Satan cannot catch us with a big sin, he'll try a little one. It does not matter to him as long as he catches his fish what bait he uses. Beware of the beginning of evil. For many who bade fair to go right have turned aside and perished amongst the dark mountains of the wide field of sin. No one lives in the land of disobedience and stays the same. We discover in 1 Samuel 27 some of the compromises of faltering faith. For 16 months, David is going to be living among the Philistines. And sadly, for these 16 months, things seem to be going quite well. 
And sometimes the compromises of our faith seem to lead to places of peace. But I want you to see some things here in this passage. David learned to live a lie. He learned to live a lie. Achish said to him in verse 10, Whither have you made a road today? David said, Against the south of Judah and against the south of the Jeremelites and against the south of the Kenites. David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, Lest they should tell on us. Saying, So did David. And so will be his manner all the while that he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, He's made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. What's happening here? Achish has seen David coming and going. He inquires of David, where have you been? And David tells him he's been in the south of Judah. He answers geographically. He even answers with regard to some of the people that he's been fighting against. But what he's not saying is the people that he's been fighting against are the enemies of the people of God. They're the enemies of Judah. They're the enemies of Israel. David is living amongst the Philistines and trying to do God's work while going back to Judah where he'll one day reign. He's telling half-truths along the way. He's filling his lips with double talk so that the king of Gath thinks he's one thing when his soldiers think he's another. He's learning to lie. David is living with ongoing danger. It's the danger of being found out. 1 Samuel 29, as we go over to 1 Samuel 29, we read that the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which was in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. He's there with the people of Gath. As the people of Gath are lining up to fight against David's own people, the people of Israel, David is there with them. Then said the princes of the Philistines, in verse 3, what do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which had been with me these days or these years? I found no fault in him, since he fell unto me unto this day. David is living with the danger of being discovered. He's living with the danger of going to war against his own people. He's failed to remember that while living in this place of compromise, that he should be sure that his sin will find him out. He's failed to remember that those who cover their sins will not prosper, but those who confess and forsake them can have mercy. So I have a question that we need to ask tonight as we look at the life of David. David is falling prey to faltering faith. How are you doing? Are you a person who has been living in the land of compromise? Living a lie, living one way among some people, compromising your faith there, worried that you'll be found out among others? We've looked at the causes and the choices that David made. But now we look together at the catastrophe of faltering faith. David is about to face losses such as he's never known before. David lost opportunities. Having lived 16 months among the Philistines, there's something that you're not going to find. You're not going to find the single song in the Psalter that David wrote while he was living with the Philistines during these 16 months. His harp and his voice have gone silent. The 137th Psalm says in verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? David lost opportunities. David lost his reputation. In chapter 29, 
we read beginning in verse 4, And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again unto his place which thou hast appointed him. Let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary for us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David of whom they sang one to another in the dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands, and David his tens of thousands? Then Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return, go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. And David said unto Achish, But what have I done? Or what hast thou found in thy servant? So long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may not go fight against the enemies of my lord the king. And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God. Notwithstanding, the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Wherefore now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. There are people who are in the community who are saying, how can this be? Here's a man who was so valiant for the faith that he took on our great champion Goliath. And now we see him lined up with the enemies of Israel. He's lost his reputation. He's loved the present world, living in that place that seems so peaceful. But what he has not factored in is all of the Philistine armies have failed to see the righteousness of God in him. Even so, for the Christian community, when we find our, our faith faltering, so often we fail to remember that there are those who are looking on. Those who should be recognizing the love of the Lord in us and instead are recognizing the compromise along the way. David's about to lose his family. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, in verse 1, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag in the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. And David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. David, in the place of compromise, learned what many people have learned. In the place of compromise, where we feel we may have some peace in the spiritual battle, we may be losing more than we could ever replace. We may be losing family members. We may see children that are going the wrong direction. Even so it was for David, he not only lost family, but he lost friends. The Bible tells us the people spoke of stoning him. This man who had been the champion is now a source of confusion. He's become a champion of compromise. He lost his possessions. We read in verse 16 of chapter 30. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth. David is now with his men and they're going after those who have abducted their family members. 
And what are those people doing? They're eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil that they've taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. All those things that he'd been laying up for himself during those 16 months in Gath have been taken by others. So many pathways away. So many choices that are now being regretted. And I read in this passage some wonderful truths. David was greatly distressed in verse 6, and well he should be, for his family members have been taken. The city has been set on fire. His possessions have been taken. His testimony has been ruined. But at the end of verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. God is available to the one whose faith has faltered. And the Bible tells us, beginning in verse 7, that David said to Abiath the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. The one who'd gone down to Gath without any prayer and without any inquiry, without any counsel, is now seeking counsel again. And David inquired of the Lord, verse 8, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt overtake them, and without fail will recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook. And as the story goes, David is about to win a victory and bring back his family. And we ask the question, how was it possible? And the answer to the question is, David encouraged himself and the Lord is God. He found the answers that God would give. Some of you have heard the story of the songwriter Robert Robinson. In 1758, at the age of 22, Robert Robertson wrote the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. One of the phrases in that song became a testimony of Robert Robertson. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. Robertson had heard George Whitfield preach the gospel and come to Christ as Savior from a very dreadful background. For a time, he was a Methodist minister, then a Baptist minister. By the end of his life, Robert Robertson was seen in council together with the Unitarians who denied the cross and denied the resurrection. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I wonder if there's somebody here this evening who would have to confess that they're wrestling with faltering faith. I wonder if the Lord this evening would have you be encouraged in Him and seeking His direction to the land of blessing back from the land of barrenness. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.